You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. We have within us the capability, the propensity, in our rebellion against God, our disobedience and sin against God to be taken captive and be brought into bondage to sin. Sin is slavery, and only Jesus can set us free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It's easy to get stuck in a cycle of sin. After all, it's our human nature. If you're feeling discouraged by the grip of sin in your life, remember that you don't have to stay there. As Pastor J.D. teaches us in today's message, the Lord is merciful. All you have to do is seek Him, and He will set you free from the bondage of sin. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with his study in the book of Psalms, beginning in chapter 136. The potter takes that clay, takes it off the potter's wheel, and he places it into... Do you remember this from school? I don't know where they came up with this name, but in school they called it a kiln. How appropriate is this? God, you're killing me, because the kiln is the furnace. And they turn the furnace up, and it's really, really, really hot. I think of Isaiah again. He says that God has chosen the furnace of affliction to refine you. I don't want to be refined in the furnace of affliction. I have many other places that I think I would much rather be refined, like the beaches of Hawaii, for example, I think would be a great place for me to be refined. But no, he's chosen the furnace of affliction to refine us. So the potter takes that clay, puts it in that furnace, that kiln, and then he takes it out, and now he starts putting his artistic drawings on it all the colors, the beauty. You know, in the New Testament, when the Apostle Paul says, we're his workmanship, it's a very interesting word in the original language of the Greek New Testament. It's poema, where we get our English word for poem. We're his workmanship. We're his poem, his work of art. And you know how the artist, they will take their masterpiece, when it's all done, We're not done yet. (laughs) We're all a work in progress. And we will be, because faithful is He who began that work in us. He's faithful to complete it. And one day we will be completed. And I love in the book of Revelation, I think this has reference to the whole purpose of conforming us, molding us, making us, shaping us into the image of Jesus Christ as His workmanship. That's the work, the purpose that God has for us. That's why the hardships come. God takes bad and makes good as only He can. And He uses those fiery trials when you're in the furnace. 
He uses those times in our lives when we're on the wheel and everything is spinning out of control. He is shaping us. He is making us. We are His work of art. And He is making this masterpiece. And when He's done with the masterpiece, you know what He does? He puts His name on it. His name of ownership on His prized possession. I can't wait to get my new name. I never liked my name. Wahid Fayez Farag. Might as well be Osama Bin Laden. You know, I mean, what a name. My wife, bless her heart. So her maiden name was Lynn. Kelly Lynn. Very Irish. You know, a lot of the Irish, they dropped the O. Used to be Olin. So they dropped the O. O'Reilly, a lot of Rileys, they dropped the O. Olin, they dropped the O. Lynn. That was her maiden name. I come along. I changed her name to Frog. She's like, really? <laughs> She's never forget. I keep telling her, you know, it's not much longer. You're going to get a new name anyway. And I, I, it is just going to be wonderful because he's going to put his name on us. We're going to be given a new name. I can't wait. I've already given him suggestions, you know, on anything <laughs> but the name I currently have. Which is why, by the way, one of the reasons why I came up with the legal AKA of JD. I just never really liked Wahid. Nobody could ever pronounce it. And in sales, you need people to remember your name, let alone pronounce it. Otherwise, if they don't ask for you, you don't get the commission, right? So I decided to come up with a name that would give me an opportunity to share my faith. So I came up with JD. And little did I know, this is before that television series came out with JR. Who shot JR? That really bummed me out. But anyway, it's not JR, it's JD. And the JD stands for Jesus Disciple. So whenever I would, you know, have an opportunity, and here I'd be in a sales situation, I have the customer across the desk from me, and they would always, you know, see my business card, and it would say, you know, I actually put Wahi JD in parentheses Farag. So I would always be referred to as JD. And I would get the most interesting responses from people. They'd go, what does the JD stand for? Jack Daniels? <laughs> I'm like, oh. So, and the whole complexion of the conversation would change when I would say, no, it doesn't stand for Jack Daniels. It stands for Jesus' disciple, because I'm a born-again Christian. You could see their whole countenance kind of like, oh. And they always say things like, oh, pardon my French. To which I would usually respond, buddy, that ain't French, <laughs> okay? My dad taught French in high school. That wasn't French. But anyway, again, I digress. We become like the gods we worship, and that's the purpose. The worship of the Lord Jesus the Christ is the one whom we become like. I know I said one last thing. This will be the last, last thing. Okay. You know that you begin to act like, and talk like, and behave like the people you hang out with the most? I'm thinking of this proverb that says, do not associate with an angry man lest you become like them. In other words, the people that you spend the most time with, you become the most like. 
Interesting thought. And so too is this true with the God that we worship. So, verse 18. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Bless the Lord, verse 19, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. The psalm begins how it ends and ends how it begins. Probably goes without saying, but this psalm is a psalm of pure praise. And it's praise to God for all the mighty and wondrous works that He has done. And there was just really a sampling, as is listed by the psalmist. I think it's in the book of Acts where Luke writes that you could not contain, it's too voluminous. There would not be enough volumes to contain all that Jesus did in His public ministry when He was here on earth in just three years. You could not, it was so voluminous. I was thinking about this the other day uh, in another one of my devotions. You know when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? It says at the end that Satan left only, that he left, but would return at a more optimum time. Satan is relentless. He never gives up. And he's very patient. And he'll wait for that optimum time to attack. Here's my point where I'm going with this. We just have one account of when Jesus was tempted. Do you think that's the only time that Satan tried to tempt or attack Jesus? No way. That's just the only one that was recorded. Can you imagine how many times Satan tried to attack and test and tempt and defeat Jesus? He would do everything he could to keep Jesus from going to that cross. You know, Christians, I don't know why it is, but we don't understand that Satan knows the Bible like way better than we do. I just got done reading a book, and I'm in, you know, I'm referenced in the book. I know the book very well, because I'm in it. Satan knows the Bible very well, because he's in it. And he knows Scripture so well, better than we do, better than pastors do. And so he takes the Scriptures, which is what he tried to do with Jesus. He quotes it just with a little itsy-bitsy twist, which is what he did with Eve, by the way. He misquoted it with Eve, hath God said. But when he, he knows he can't do that with <laughs> the God-man, Jesus the Christ. So he uses very specific scriptures when he tries to tempt Jesus. And he takes them, they're quoted correctly, but they're taken out of context. And what does Jesus do? He quotes scripture right back. And the scriptures he quotes, very interesting, are out of the book of Deuteronomy. And that's how he resists the devil, and the devil will flee. That is a promise that we have 
in the Word of God. Resist the devil. He has to flee. He's a defeated foe. Sometimes I, I know this is uh, maybe a little bit gnarly, but I do this, and it's actually very effective. See, Satan cannot read your mind. And first of all, it's not Satan anyway. Satan's not omniscient. He can't be all places at one time. He's not God's opposite. But his demons, his minions, okay, he sends his minions, his demons, to attack us. It's spiritual warfare, right? They can't read our minds, but they can hear what we say. Now sometimes when I'm being really attacked, like about a week and a half ago, I mean, it was unbelievable. I bet, you know, after walking with the Lord for a number of years, you finally start realizing, you know, wow, this is satanic attack, and I know what to do about it. And I will say out loud, because I know the demons can hear it. I will say, Satan, you are a defeated foe. You get out now. And then I start proclaiming the name of Jesus. And he flees. Sometimes it's been so pronounced. I mean, it was like you could just tell in the spiritual. I hope this isn't getting too... But sometimes you can just tell, you know, that spiritual discernment, you can just tell that there has been an oppression that has been lifted, and the satanic battle has just been won, and you have just emerged victorious, because you use the sword of the Spirit. And I will quote Scripture, Satan hates that, and he really hates when we praise the name of Jesus. So I will just say, thank you, Jesus. And I will quote Scripture, thank you that greater is He that is in me, the Holy Spirit, than he that is in the world, the enemy, the devil. I resist you, and you have to flee. Flee now. He has to. He has no choice. Okay, I really digressed on that one. So back to our Bible study in the book of Psalms here with this unique, oh, by the way, this is really interesting about this psalm. Virtually every verse in this psalm in its entirety is either a verbatim quote or a reference to another Old Testament passage, unlike any of the other psalms. There's one book in the Bible, it's the book of Revelation, that some believe is actually a verbatim quote from an Old Testament passage. The entire book of Revelation is a verbatim quote, up to 90-some percent, of the Old Testament. Now, what's the takeaway from this psalm? The takeaway to me is that of how our praise and worship of God is not based supremely on the emotion of it, It's based on the fact that he's worthy of it. By the way, that's what the word worship means. Worth-ship. Worship, worth-ship. We worship him because he is worthy. Psalm 137, shorter psalm. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, We wept when we remembered Zion. By the way, we're turning a a pretty sharp corner here (laughs) with with this psalm. Verse 2, We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it, 
For there those who carried us away captive asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth. This is a bitter herb. Saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Their answer, verse 4, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy, remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it to its very foundation. O daughter of Babylon, who are to be destroyed? (laughs) This was going to be fulfilled. Happy the one who repays you as you have served us. Happy the one, verse 9, who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. That might sound very harsh and very brutal, but there is a reason for it. This is an interesting song for a number of reasons. Not the least of which is it's known as a song of lament. It was written about the captivity of the Jews when they were exiled in Babylon for 70 years. And this because they had disobeyed God, the commandments of God. They had rebelled against God, and because of that, God allowed them to be taken captive, and they were in exile for 70 years. There are, I believe, many lessons from this psalm, but I want to draw your attention to what I think is a very important lesson. And it's the lesson that speaks to the captivity and bondage to sin in our lives due to the disobedience and rebellion of our lives. That's the takeaway for me. It may not be in Babylon, and it certainly may not be for a period of 70 years, but we have within us the capability, the propensity, in our rebellion against God, our disobedience and sin against God to be taken captive and be brought into bondage to sin. Sin is slavery, and only Jesus can set us free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Psalm 138. Been looking forward to this psalm. I think you'll see why here in a moment, and we're going to end with it. It's a psalm of David. Verse 1. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, little g, I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word 
above all your name. In the day, verse 3, when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, verse 6, yet He regards the lowly, but the proud He knows from afar. Again, I think of the Proverbs where we're told that God resists the proud. I mean, get away from me. He can't stand pride. Think about, (laughs) pride was the first sin, and not on earth, but in heaven, when Lucifer exalted himself and was cast out of heaven. Have you ever thought of it this way? that God is humble. Here is omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, all-present, omniscient, all-knowing God, creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. Have you ever thought about God being humble? God is humble. Why do we know that? How do we know that? Because Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Was Jesus humble? You know what the problem with us is? We make synonymous meekness with weakness. Here was Jesus, fully God, fully man. He had all power at His disposal. When He was here on earth, He could have called upon the heavenly host to, in an instant, could have done anything and everything in an instant. But he didn't. Meekness is power under control. Not just having power, having all power. Anyway, we're going to talk about humility coming up. The proud he knows from afar. Verse 7, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Hey, I just heard about that. Do not forsake the works of your hand. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Psalms. While our time with you is ending, your study of God's Word doesn't have to. Everyone can learn from the Bible, and everyone will be blessed when they open their hearts to its truth. As you spend time in Scripture today, ask God to share His heart directly with yours, and be open to whatever He has to teach you. Know that we're praying for you as you study and will continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. Are you in the Kaneohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. 
Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. while you're there or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to view the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update, visit our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth.